I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to the Vulnerability Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Donnelly. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dan Monroe back. Actually, we go way back. Um, I want to say almost a year ago. I was on, oh. is it a year ago now? I wouldn't be surprised if it was, yeah. Time sure no. flies. But <laughs> I was on Dan's podcast, the Brojo Online Podcast, just talking about what I do and you know, getting excited about content writing and being a writer and my vision. And I'm just so excited to have Dan on today on the Vulnerability Podcast to talk about honesty, to talk about passion, to talk about all the amazing things going on in his life. Dan is a confidence coach and he is also the author of The Naked Truth. So I kind of want to jump into that right away. The Naked Truth is an awesome title for a book. Can you give us a little sneak peek preview maybe even some inspiration behind that title? Yeah, well, to, to stick with the theme of honesty, it literally just popped into my mind after I asked myself, what should the title be? And I have no idea where that came from, other than I guess it's a kind of well-used phrase. And it just matched the book so perfectly because, in, in fact, your podcast named The Vulnerability Podcast, I actually forgot that's what it's called. Um, the whole book is about basically revealing who you are in a sense, mm -hmm. being naked psychologically. So it just fit perfectly for the book. And I, I'm, I'm quite impulsive. So once I come up with an idea, I just run with it and then I commit to it. And I've already made the website and everything with that name. So then it stuck basically. And I couldn't go back. <laughs> I love that though. I think one of the cool things that my podcast at least has brought out for me is the value of vulnerability and being honest but i think people like when we hear the word naked like we immediately think like oh you know that's that's something we we want to like cover ourselves up like we don't want to get to that core of who we are in any type of aspect right like physically covering mm -hmm. yourself up like mentally hiding you know the truth from other people so i really like the title naked truth because i think it really gets down to like what makes us the most uncomfortable mm -hmm. and then brings that out to the light yeah, that sums it up pretty perfectly. And particularly the emphasis, that kind of truthfulness is the most important kind in terms of building your self-worth. Uh, if you want to enjoy being who you are, it's that kind of stuff that needs to be revealed because the opposite, hiding that sort of stuff, covering up, uh, metaphorically speaking, is what creates shame. In fact, that is shaming yourself. So the book's really focused, when I say nude or vulnerable, I'm really talking about shamelessness, mm. this revealing what you want to hide, revealing what you don't think people will want to hear or see. Um, it's so important for us to reveal that stuff if we want to have high self-confidence, if we want to like who we are. Which is so interesting because it seems so counterintuitive. Why would I want to share the worst moments of myself or my life or my past with others? Like, you want to, you know, pretend that didn't happen, right? Because then you think, mm. oh, I can, I can move past it. But 
realistically, when, when you bring it out to the surface, that's actually how you move past it. Otherwise, you're just burying it and it keeps coming up and keeps haunting you as you go, you know, through your life. You know, you kind of nailed it when you said bring up the worst parts of myself. The only reason we would label them as worst or bad or wrong is because we've hidden them. It's, it's the nature of hiding things that turns it into shame. If I talk about something like it's normal, even if I start off by feeling like it's wrong or bad or the worst thing about me, by about the hundredth time I've talked about it openly, I no longer have that sensation of this is the worst thing about me or this is even bad at all. Yeah. Wow. You know, I always talk about shameless. You know you're shameless about something when it feels the same to talk about it as it does to talk about what you had for breakfast, what the weather's like today, that kind of neutral emotional connection with it where, you know, it's kind of almost like exposure therapy. The more you just get it out, the less impact it has on you and the more you normalize it. You know, let's say I'm ashamed of my body. Well, the more I walk around naked in a nudist camp, the less ashamed of my body I become until one day there's no shame left. It's just normal to be this body. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the same thing about all our secrets and our truths about ourselves that we hide. It's actually the nature of hiding them that makes them wrong. You know, it's really funny. If you ask someone what their worst secret is and they tell you, nine times out of 10, you'll be like, oh, that's not even that bad. Because mm-hmm. it's a big deal to them because they've made it a big deal by hiding it. But to most normal people, they'd hear that and go, oh, you don't need to hide that. That's not such a big deal. And that's, that's kind of like the subjective nature of shame. We think whatever we're hiding is a really big deal, but most people wouldn't think so and they wouldn't agree with us because they haven't spent a lifetime hiding it like we have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And it just makes me think about, you know, how we are often our worst critics, you know, like we carry baggage and shame and pain over things that we don't have to. And even for people listening who might be like, well, you know, my secret is a really big one and there is real shame. You know, this is a big deal. The more you are willing to talk about it, the more you find healing. And it maybe maybe it doesn't necessarily lessen it, at least not right away, if it's something, you know, that you feel is significant, but bringing it to the open allows for healing. It also allows others to resonate with it as well and say, oh, you know, I've actually done something like that or I've gone through something like that too. And now that you've talked about it openly, I have less shame and now we're healing together. Well, you just perfectly described what a real connection is. You know, I think people believe that a connection is based on good times, feeling happy together, having things in common that you both agree on. That's not what deep connection is based on. Deep connection is based on that revelation, that deep thing that you're like, okay, I'm going to share this. I'm scared to share it. And the other person responds like, well, me too, or I understand you. That's when you really feel like someone gets you, when you really feel connected to someone. Having happy times together is all well and good, and there definitely needs to be that in a relationship of any kind as well. But if you really want to feel like in tight with someone, you've got to have that almost... I kind of think about it like you could blackmail each other. So neither of you ever will, you know, (laughs) you you both got the dirt on each other. So you're both Mm -hmm. actually quite safe with that information. Um, But you, you said it yourself, we're our worst critics. What I find is we begin suppressing who we are because of somebody else. 
maybe we've got uh, harsh parents or we're bullied at school or we just see something on TV and take in a message that I'm supposed to hide something, you know, so somebody else primes us to be ashamed of ourselves. That's how it begins. It certainly was the case for me. But then we keep doing it long after they've gone. So long after the bullies have left you alone or your parents are no longer the masters of your universe, you keep hiding the thing that they made you or told you to hide. And now you're doing it to yourself. You know, one of the things I really try to emphasize in the book, that not good enough story that plagues us, we create that by hiding mm. things about mm. ourselves. We're the ones who decide something's not good enough by keeping it a secret. That is the very act of categorizing it as not good enough. See, if you share it, it must be good enough because it's being shared. Like by definition, it's okay if it's allowed out. I often think about like, imagine the information about yourself as your children. If you kept one of your children locked in a basement and didn't allow it to play with the other children, how would that child feel about themselves? Well, we do that with our truths all the time. We lock it in the basement and then no wonder we feel awful about it, you know? Um, yeah. But we, we live that way our entire lives that so we just don't know any, we're too scared to share it. So we never get to test if it can be shared. And anybody who's been to like a support group or they have had a particularly good uh, friend who's really supportive and they've tested it, they usually find, wow, I actually can get this out, you know, but a lot of people don't get to have that experience and, you know, see the truth of it. Yeah. That made me think of when you said support group, I thought of, you know, just anybody facing addiction, how one of the first steps is to acknowledge it and put it out into the universe in front of people. And like, that is really where the healing starts when you're like, you know, my name is Marissa and I'm an alcoholic or whatever it is. You're putting it out there and, and, and mm -hmm. saying it so that you can now take ownership of it and move past it and start to heal from it. But if you can't fully acknowledge it and get rid of that, you know, underlying secret, how do you truly heal from it? Well, you don't because you're lying to yourself or you're, you know, keeping it guarded and not letting people come in and really support you in the journey. Like, I don't know, that seems so like, duh, Marissa, like, <laughs> you know, but when you said that, I was like, wow, yeah, it's so important to bring those things to the light and bring them out to the open and talk through them because otherwise you're having this internal battle that A, you're not acknowledging and B, nobody else knows. So how can they help you with it? Yeah, and maybe in a minute we should talk about why it is that people don't actually do this if it's so obviously helpful. I mean, that's the reason I wrote a book is, you know, even if people can rationally come to the conclusion, it would be better if, if I got this stuff out, they're, too, they're still too scared to do it. And I wrote a book basically about finding the courage and tools to do it. But, you know, your, your example brought something up for me. I remember when I was a probation officer, um, at one point I was specializing in addiction. So I was working with like high risk drug criminal offenders and to kind of get a sense of their world. I went along to a narcotics anonymous meeting, which I'd never done before. And so I'm surrounded by all these like meth heads and gang members and everything. And I'm just kind of there auditing, you know, and I was blown away by how honest and vulnerable these people were. Like there was a guy I remember distinctly, he was sitting across the circle from me. And I always thought of him as just like one of life's rejects. He was a well-known criminal offender involved with gangs and stuff. And this guy was just pouring his heart out to the group. And I was actually embarrassed for myself 
Because I'm watching this guy, this big hard man, you know, all the things I wanted to be really secretly, be about a hundred times more honest to total strangers than I've ever been in my life, even to my closest friends. And I was just looking at him going, you know what? I think I'm learning something here, but I don't know what it is. But I've never seen this kind of, well, what's currently known as radical honesty. I've never seen that before. I didn't know that was possible. I'm certainly not brave enough to do it. And that was a real, like I said, that was a really humbling, sort of embarrassing moment for me. Mm. I thought of myself as being this sort of bold or even confident person. And then I saw that and realized, man, I've got a lot of work to do before I'm that confident. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So that just popped into my head while you were talking. I forgot all about that. That's so powerful. It's like, I wonder if it comes from the idea of, you know, what else do I have to lose? Like I'm when you're in, you know, in the realm of addiction, especially it's like, I have nothing left to lose or I hit my rock bottom. So I just need to start right now with putting it all on the table. Cause that's the only way I'm going to move forward. I don't know. But I think that kind of, it relates to, to a lot of different things. I mean, it's not just addiction we're talking about here. It's how do you be honest in your relationships? How do you be, you know, how do you move past shame in your life? How do you level up? And I mean, everything is related to vulnerability. Like the reason I created this podcast was exactly that because I feel like people have stories that are worth sharing. And the more we can bring them to the light, the more we grow collectively. So like that was the inspiration for this. But I mean, you can talk about addiction, but you can also talk about just everyday relationships. How do you really connect with people unless you're willing to share where you're coming from, walking into the relationship? Like, oh, I've been cheated on and this is how I felt. Or, oh, I've been you know, through abuse and this is what that experience has done to me. This is why I am the way I am because of X, Y, and Z. Like if we don't challenge ourselves to share those things, we, go, we miss out on the depth of what life has to offer. But to go back to what you said about maybe we should talk about why it's so hard. I think it's hard because it's scary and because we think it's a weakness. Like I know the power of vulnerability. I write about it every day. I have this podcast, but I still sometimes tell myself that, you know, being too open is weak. And then I kind of scare myself out of sharing what I really want to share. Yeah. You and everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, I think, the great, you know, honesty is the topic I've decided to dedicate my entire life to, at least at this point. And it's for this very reason. I I take honesty very seriously because of how much damage is done by dishonesty. Now, people don't like to admit to themselves that they're dishonest. So the first lie we usually tell is the one to ourselves, like, I'm a good person, I'm an honest person, therefore... Anything I don't share or hide, there's a good justification for that. And it's through this kind of narrative that we trap ourselves in this limit of honesty, shall we say. And some people, the limit is very restrictive. They, you know, like my old life, I was mostly dishonest. I was putting on an act for people to make them like me. Or it can come down to, like you said, someone like yourself, who's nearly all the way there, but there are just certain times where you think this feels too much, it feels too open, feels too risky, and you pull back. Well, and even with that, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm very vulnerable. Like, there's so many things that I still hide, that we all still hide. I've 
taken on a whole new level of this with parenting where it's like, mm-hmm. yep, just want to put on this face of we are doing great. Everything's great. Everything's great. <laughs> it's like, meanwhile, have you seen the meme where like there's the dog and then behind the dog, everything's like on fire and he's like, everything's yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I mean, see, for me, this is the kind of multiplier of the tragedy every time we pretend other people see us do that, they think it's the truth and that puts pressure on them to pretend even further themselves. Mm -hmm. And we kind of bounce off each other in this way. I didn't realize this until, you know, I've been doing it for many years that my big performance to make it look like I had everything sorted all the time and that nothing phased me actually made other people feel really insecure I, I had this pattern in my relationships where I seemed to be the sort of strong one and the girl I was with was the crazy one. It always looked like that from the outside. And the truth of the matter was they were normal human beings going through a range of emotions and I was suppressing mine. So I looked unfazed and they looked unstable by comparison. And a lot of them actually broke up with me because they felt it, like inferior. I was making them feel like, they're the crazy ones. Like they can't handle life because nothing ever bothered me. But the truth was I was pretending that things didn't bother me and I was suppressing Mm. my emotions. And actually I was very bothered all the time. I was anxious, but because I didn't let anyone see it, everybody assumed that it wasn't happening. And I think that, you know, the book is really for everyday dishonesty. It's not for the huge things so much like, people going into recovery and crime and all that. It's more like the day-to-day conversations we have with our family and our partners and our boss and the impression that we try to give to strangers and so on in all of our daily normal social interactions. I think people underestimate how much dishonesty we engage in on a day-to-day basis, just trying to avoid discomfort, trying to avoid judgment, feeling like there's some sort of risk, but not really ever kind of exploring it or testing it, just believing it because someone convinced us of it when we were children. And we don't realize that this is where our loneliness comes from. And this is where pressure comes from. And this is where feeling not good enough comes from. This is imposter syndrome where you pretend to be stronger than you actually are. And then you feel like you have to live up to it. We're doing all of this to ourselves by just the tiniest of white lies, just a little bit of hiding. Um, So I don't believe in in, in like pure honesty in the sense that somebody could be perfect with this, but I do believe that the percentage matters. If you're honest 30% of the time, you can be guaranteed that you're going to have a pretty miserable inner experience. You're going to have a lot of shame, depression, anxiety, panic. Whereas if you're honest, like 85% of the time, you're basically going to feel like you're totally free and confident nearly always. And so I'm really trying to help people keep upping their percentages. Um, But like we sort of hinted at, to do that, first we have to address the beliefs everyone has about why they think they should be somewhat dishonest and why they think they have to hide certain things and keep certain people in the dark and the the sense of risk and danger that they feel about revealing things. You know, uh, that needs to be addressed for a lot of people they haven't even looked into that since they were children. They've never like reconsidered it. I think that makes sense. I'm kind of ranting now. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's figuring out what in your life that you feel 
you are putting on a face for. I mean, I think about with social media, especially like we, Mm. we use social media so often to paint pictures of ourselves or to tell stories. And although I feel that it's taken a shift in more recent years to be more transparent and people are kind of, you know, acknowledging ways that it can be unhealthy or acknowledging ways that it's not a true picture. I think that's just one of the examples of ways that, you know, we want to show our best selves. And while it's okay to want to show your best self, there's also the element of what happens off the screen. And is that ever being acknowledged? And I think especially for people like maybe you show the happy pictures, but when it comes down to the needing help or the moments that you struggle, do you feel that you can reach out to people? I think with the coronavirus, especially like that has become so relevant. People are really struggling. And then it's like, we're all kind of kept in our own houses and spaces for so long that you forget how to reach out to others and to say, Hey, I really need help or I'm really struggling right now. So that in itself, I mean, that's just like a small but monumental way that we can start to say, you know, I need more honesty in my life. I'm going to start by asking for help, or I'm going to start by saying, Hey, this is what is heavy right now. Like that's been my personal journey over the last nine months or so is like, okay, can I acknowledge when this is actually hard because I keep, you know, I keep trying to make purposeful content. And maybe you can relate to this as a coach yourself, where it's like, you keep trying to inspire people and create content and put things out into the world to like encourage positivity. But then when do you acknowledge your own struggles? And like, that was for me, I kept like creating this awesome stuff and like trying to motivate people. But like inside, I was like, I don't feel that necessarily trying to take my own advice, but like also feeling the stress and frustration and sadness. Yeah, well, this is a, you know, this is, I think, the theme for most people is they have in their heads this idea of what you might call a positive image that we're supposed to put out there. They don't know where they got this from. They don't know why they believe in it, but they just, it's like a faith. It's like, I must be this thing. I've kind of backed myself into a corner and committed to it, mm-hmm. which actually creates a pressure against ourselves to break it. If I have to break my, impression of being a strong person who never struggles it's going to be kind of jarring like i have to show people that essentially i've been faking it and that puts a lot of pressure on me to struggle to be honest like uh, now i'm going to have to really show that i was lying kind of thing and mm-hmm. i think this is where people struggle with at first is you know i talk about it i think i talk about it a bit in the book that if you have been maintaining a false impression, you're going to have to go through this transition phase where you kind of tear down the world of lies. And that's the most painful part of this journey. Once you're on the other side and you're honest most of the time, it's actually really easy to keep being honest because you've set a precedent with everyone. They can expect the real you. But when they've been expecting like your representative, like little Mr. or Miss Positivity, then it's going to be a little shocking, or at least you'll perceive it to be shocking, to change that suddenly. I I went through that when I was doing with my own content, you know, first couple of years as a coach, I even kind of backed myself into a corner by calling my business the inspirational lifestyle. So I felt this real weight on me to always be inspirational, you know. And it just felt more and more fake over time. And not only that, it didn't actually get that much of a, kind of response it was just generic and then i think at the behest of one of my coaches um, kind of pushing me 
I tried to put something real out there. I talked about a struggle. Oh, you know what it was? I did a piece on, it was like the anniversary of my business. And I did a piece on how hard it actually was behind the scenes. Like what people mm-hmm. didn't see. Yeah. The struggles, the financial issues, um, the you know sleepless nights and anxiety. And I just did this big piece about like what you don't see. By far the biggest response I'd ever gotten to date on any piece of content I created. And I just sat back as the emails flooded in and people shared their stories. I was getting emails like pages long with people sharing their stuff in response. And I was watching all this and I thought, you know, when I went to post that content, I was scared that it would destroy my business because I'd reveal all my weaknesses and people wouldn't trust that I could coach them or something. And the opposite happened. Suddenly people felt connected to me. Suddenly people could trust me more. They found me more believable. They wanted to know how I had found the courage to be that open. And I realized that was inspirational. Not me trying to be positive or inspirational, but me showing the courage to be real. And that like flicked a light on for me. I'm like, oh, that's what people want. And that's actually the easiest thing for me to deliver because I don't need to think about it. I just say what's true. And it was kind of a win-win. Now, that has also gotten a more negative response than anything I've done before. And that's the kind of price you have to pay for honesty is some people are going to react the way that you're scared that they will. But it's not as bad as you think it is. For a start, nobody good for you is going to react badly to you being honest. Mm-hmm. So this is a, what I call self-sorting. You just let people polarize away from you with honesty. You go, okay, that person reacted really badly. Actually, now that I think about it, they're not such a great friend. That's good to know. Who reacted well? Who responded? Who reciprocated? Who connected with me as a result of it? Because those people are probably good for me. I talk about this a lot in the book. I think ultimately people-pleasing is the core of the issue. We're raised to try and make other people feel good and comfortable. And we feel good and comfortable when they feel good and comfortable. And we have this constant pressure to never ruin that. So Mm -hmm. when you have to choose between honesty and emotional comfort, a lot of people will choose emotional comfort. So they'll go down the path of dishonesty. And what they don't realize is if you can endure just a little bit of awkwardness, embarrassment, confrontation, whatever it is that you're scared of, rejection. If you can just get through it to the other side, you're free. Like, it's this is why I get so pumped about this is I've been through the transitional period. Now, it doesn't mean I'm perfectly honest now. It just means it's really easy for me to be honest now because I only have friends who support me doing it. I... My business is based on it, so I don't have to worry about my clients leaving, if I'm honest, you know. it's uh, I had to go through the rejections. I've lost, I don't know how many friends because of this, but I guess they weren't really friends after all. Uh, and most importantly, I've had to face some very uncomfortable things about myself. I've had to really dig into my dark side and, you know, explore all my shame. But I'm telling you, on the other side of that, the burden's lifted the stress, the pressure to make people feel something. When that's off you, you you just, yeah. 
I'll stop now because I'm getting too carried away. But <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's freedom. It's, you know? it's so freeing. I mean, to simplify it, it's like if you are in a relationship with somebody and you're able to tell them like, hey, I, you know, this happened to me. And then all of a sudden this burden is lifted, whatever that is for you, whether it's something traumatic, whether it's something small, whether, you know, whatever it is, or even if it's like, hey, this bothers me about you, <laughs> you know, like you're, mm. if you're able to say that it's such freedom because now you move forward from that. So that's just, I don't know, as, I, as you were saying that, I was just thinking like, here's a little simple connection where it's like the freedom can be found in the simplest of things and in the biggest of things. But it all starts by putting it out in the open because if it's not out in the open, nobody nobody knows how to move through it because we don't know it even exists. And I don't know, I was also thinking about toxic positivity because that's something that I've been talking about like on my you know, personal podcasts and journeys over the past you know, couple months is just this idea that we are supposed to have a positive mindset is not necessarily true. And I think I built an identity out of positivity because I would say I'm generally a positive person, but then what happens when you're not positive? What happens when things are hard? How do we rid ourselves of that layer of toxic positivity and embrace you know, the ups and downs and help others along the journey embrace the ups and downs too? Like, I don't think, I think sometimes like toxic positivity and, and shame, like you can be shamed for being too positive. And then on the flip side, you're shamed for not being positive enough. You know, like there's always something, but mm. I think it's really like allowing yourself to feel the, the realm of emotions from good to bad, to low, to high and acknowledging all of them, you know, not just the positive ones. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's huge, especially in our industry. Um, and with the kind of audience that you and I speak to, a lot of them are victims to this. You know, there's that positivity movement. I think it was kind of in the 80s, the big be happy all the time movement. And it's just so impossible to be a human who's happy all the time. It has to be so faked because the truth is life is hard. And we all have a range of emotions all the time. We can't actually control our emotions as much as we like to believe we can. We can't even control our thoughts. They just pop into our head. What we can control is our behavior, including how honest we choose to be. And so quite often when, when I find people who are clearly under the spell of, I need to be positive all the time, I just ask them, would you rather be positive or real? Because you're going to have to choose between those two. You can't be both. If you're positive all the time, then you're definitely being fake, at least at some points during that time. And like you kind of identified, what a lot of us do is we back ourselves into a corner with an identity. So you, you might have had, a, say, a positive person identity. I had the nice guy. That was my identity mm -hmm. that I backed myself into a wall with. And I feel like I have to live up to it. So anything that doesn't seem to fit that profile very well must be suppressed. Mm -hmm. If I'm upset, if I don't know what to do, if I just hate anything, which is all natural, normal human emotions. Yeah. If I can't express them, then of course I have to push them down. And when we do that, we start to get emotionally ill. You know, I, I used to work with criminal offenders. The number one cause of their offending was shame. It's emotional suppression that lead to explosions. Anything from theft through to sexual offending and everything in between you could easily link it to mismanaged emotions. These guys, I mean, dishonesty, 
became a theme for me when I was a probation officer because no matter what type of offending I was dealing with, it all involved some type of dishonesty. That was the most common factor with every criminal I've ever met and worked with, and we're talking thousands of people. There was always some key amount, element of dishonesty in their criminal offending and in their life. I never met truly honest criminal offenders. And I thought, you know, there must be a connection here. This is the only thing they all have in common. They come from all walks of life, and yet they all have this dishonesty problem. And again, they all had this image. You know, the most common image that people are trying to back themselves into is to be seen as a good person. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I can relate. Most, yeah, and what most people have, you know, the word good immediately implies positive. It implies a comfortable, enjoy, yeah, perfect. Something that's enjoyable, pleasurable, mm-hmm. without pain, without suffering, without difficulty, without challenge. Without making mistakes, you know, and then you all are, that stuff. you're yeah. chasing all of that. It's a never ending circle. <laughs> and you end up having to pretend because it's not actually possible to achieve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the funny thing is, I bet you, you wouldn't demand that of somebody else. Nope. You wouldn't demand that somebody else is perfect. You wouldn't demand that they're positive all the time. You wouldn't demand that they suppress all negative emotions. No, in fact, it sucks, right? If you're thinking about a relationship, again, I'm thinking about that as the easiest connection. Like if I was with a partner who never said, you know, I'm sad and it's like, okay, well, like what the heck? Kind of like what you were saying with your previous relationships where you felt like you were suppressing emotions and, you know, acting like nothing bothers you. I can kind of, you know, connect to that because it's like, I would be like, hello, like, I want to shake you. Like, what are you Mm -hmm. feeling? What are you thinking? Are you mad? Are you sad? Do you love me? Do you care? Like, what are your emotions? You don't want people to be, you know, just one way. We want them to be dynamic so we can understand the highs and the lows and get through life together. Exactly. We have, you know, and that's exactly how the girls reacted to me, by the way. They just get frustratingly. <laughs> um, but we have, this, we have this crippling double standard. Like you ask anyone, do you want people to deceive you and manipulate you? And they'll say, of course not. And yet they're doing it themselves to other people every day with their pretend happiness, with their people pleasing, with their outright lying. And we have the same thing with the what we expect of others. We expect other people to be real with us, to share what's really going on. We expect them to be humans with faults and weaknesses. And yet we hold ourselves to this impossibly high standard and only ourselves. Why do we do that? It is so unfair and so illogical that we can't expect a good outcome to come from that. It's like eating poison and hoping that you'll end up being well. It doesn't make any sense. But in the moment of being honest, we're so uncomfortable that it makes perfect sense to keep it a secret. And so we're constantly bouncing back and forth between these like cognitive dissonance. On one hand, we think, yes, honesty is good. I want everyone to be honest. And then on the other hand, as soon as it's uncomfortable, you think, nah, that I'm never being honest. Not right now. (laughs) And so you're trapped. You're two people, a split personality. And if you want to feel lonely and disconnected, that's the way to go about it, is to constantly not live by the same standards you hold other people to, Um, which I talk about a lot in the book, which is identifying your core values and actually living by them 
rather than just talking about them and demanding it of other people. You know, it's, uh, it's so hard to do at first, but it starts really small. You've actually been really honest with me. Even if, you know, like on this podcast, you might talk about how hard it is for you to share something or how you've struggled by uh, sort of holding up a, a, an impression of positivity when you don't really feel it. That in itself, you telling me that is vulnerable honesty. And this is often a great way to start to, to kind of breach the, the wall is to just to talk about how hard it is to be honest, to mm-hmm. let people know that things are being hidden. You might not be ready to talk about what things they are. You might not be able to get into specifics, but just to let them know that there is something behind the curtain, something they can't see is a great segue into a more honest life. It allows people to go because it starts a conversation usually you, you go to your partner and you say, look, I haven't been totally honest with you because I have these things I'm ashamed of that I'm too scared to share. I guarantee you with an hour, you'll be talking about the things with them, feeling quite safe in doing so if they're a good partner for you. Yeah. But you don't have to start with the things. I always mm-hmm. talk about like that stoic philosophy principle of the obstacle being the way. Talk about how hard it is to be honest first. And then you can get into the thing that you've actually been hiding later if you build up the courage to do it. You're under no pressure, of course. But that was, that was kind of it for me as I first started talking about how I wasn't honest without actually getting into details. I just let people know, hey, what you see is you know, not what you get. Uh, there's more, a lot more, but I just can't get it out. And that becomes the bridge to make it easier and easier step by step. But I like that. That's very actionable because I think sometimes honesty seems like, you know, you have to re- rewrite your whole script of your life. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that big. It can just be, you know, in in one day, in one moment, you know, what can I do? What's my next step to say one more honest thing? And that can just be simply acknowledging, hey, I haven't been truthful, period. <laughs> and then go from there. Yeah, you know, you can think about it like scales with bricks in them. You're just moving a brick from one scale to the other, one at a time. You don't have to suddenly tip the whole thing over. Some people do, and I've had, there's moments which I call flooding, where you go, all right, enough of this. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag kind of thing because this is killing me. And you reveal some big truth. Or like with me for publishing a book, you reveal your truths to a larger audience than you usually would all in one go. That's, that's good. Um, it can be done, especially when you're feeling bold or you hit a certain like, all right, enough, nothing to lose moment. But the real gains are made in moving the bricks one at a time and just being, you can even like, there's an exercise I do with my clients where you make a list of all the things you hide. And then every day you just try to cross one off the list. Choose one, tell somebody, cross it off and do that until the list is empty. Now, the list might be pages and pages long. You don't have to do it all in one day. That's fine. It might take you the rest of your life. You might not even empty the list. But everything you take off that list and put it into the expressed already category, you know, I've already said this, the more the weight comes off your shoulders. And for me, you know, that's what it was. It started, I can remember all these key moments. Like I was a manager at my work and I remember at a team meeting telling them that I was stressed that was a big deal for me because I usually just pretended like I wasn't all the time because I wanted them to think of me as the, you know, unbeatable leader. 
So I told them I was stressed and they reacted really supportively. And then I, you know, I built up to like telling my friends that I liked them or something. Things I just never thought to say before because I thought it was kind of implied or obvious. And then of course I got into the real heart of the matter, which was confrontations. I started to tell people things I didn't like and things that annoyed me and things that I wanted to change and things that I disagreed with. And just one at a time, the things I'd usually hide, I just tried to like get it out. And I started with safe people, you know, I practiced on my friends and family and the coworkers that I trusted, kind of like my training dojo. And I, rec- I really recommend people do this. Like you don't want to start your honesty journey by going out into public and admitting the horrible sexual th- fantasies that you have in your head. You know, you're not <laughs> going to be ready for it. Um, but maybe if you go to your partner who you love and you admit to her that you looked at porn the other day, you know, you start there perhaps and you just get that burden off your chest. You see how it goes. You recover afterwards because you'll have a little shame hangover usually. And then once you recovered, you're like, all right, what's next on the list? And you just start with safe people and the less sort of scary truths and you just build up from there. And one brick at a time, you just rebuild your life until one day you'll get to certain points where you're like, you know what, it's time for me to let go of the identity once and for all. I'm not going to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore or Mrs. Positivity anymore. I'm going to be real now. So let's put that to bed. And maybe you make some sort of announcement of it. You know, I, I've, I've, there's been plenty of times where I've talked to people and sort of been like, look, I need to prepare you. I'm going to be trying to be more honest soon I might seem different to you you know I don't want to surprise you with it but it's just some work I'm doing on myself or maybe you write a post to your audience saying look I'm going to be making an effort to be less about positivity and more about authenticity so you might notice me talking about more darker more negative things and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that you know and you just kind of prep them and let it out slowly but surely and just kind of yeah like take the chains off uh, one at a time Absolutely. I love the idea of the list, crossing off one small thing one day at a time. That's very actionable. It's very doable. And hopefully if people commit to it, then we can all start to shift our lives to be more authentic. Because I think that is the true purpose of why we're here, not to just exist in this space and you know, be that dog in the meme while the world is burning behind us. Everything's great. <laughs> but actually experience all the ups and downs of life and grow together as people with our honesty. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, you know what? If you look around, you do your research, you find those few rare people who really have strong integrity and they're really honest all the time. They don't have existential crisis. They're not waking up in the middle of the night going, who am I? Why am I here? They're not lacking in purpose and meaning. They don't suffer from severe depression or anxiety. And I absolutely believe that honesty is the key to that. If someone feels the freedom and the power to express themselves truthfully all the time, those dilemmas that most people suffer with, they just go away. I mean, I used to have chronic social anxiety, which meant I felt it from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to sleep. I had so much anxiety so often that I didn't even know I had it. It was just my normal feeling of constantly worrying, constantly future projection and trying to guess what people are thinking and adjusting my behavior to keep people happy. I did that so much that that was my normal. And 
when I started experimenting with honesty, I basically went through about two years of this experiment with trying to be more honest. One day I just woke up and it was gone. And I didn't know when it had left. I, I don't remember it going. I just sort of woke up one Monday morning, and that was usually when it was at its worst, and went, oh my God, I've got no anxiety. Huh, when did that go? And it had just left, you know? Yeah. And my worries about who am I and what am I doing with my life, they had gone too. I was very sure of the answer to those questions. I, I didn't even need to think about it anymore. And that was really, I can't remember the day that I had that little epiphany wake up, but that was when I realized, yeah, this does work. I'm definitely on the right track, finally. Being honest, that's the key. I've found it. Uh, because those questions have gone away and those worries have gone away. And you can't fake that. Like they only go away when they're solved. Uh, and, you know, I've been coaching people around honesty for about seven years now. And that is the standard result is that they come to me not knowing who they really are, constantly worried about something, very insecure about certain aspects of their life. And just through being more honest, that just fades away. And they're the by the end of it, all they're worried about is how to be even more honest. You know, they've still got the worry, but now they've just got one, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's much simpler. I love that. That's awesome. How can people connect with you and learn more about your book or check out your book? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you a link to the book if people want to check that out. Um, but I'm also, you know, my business is all about personal connection. So people can just email me directly if they want to chat about anything or ask questions or explore any of these ideas, uh, dan at brojo.org is the easiest way to get in touch with me. Awesome. And I'll, I'll drop the link in the podcast as well for the book and for your um, website and anything else you're interested in to share with people. But I just want to thank you. I think having these honest conversations are so valuable and mm -hmm hearing that you've not only shifted your entire career, but written a book and just really devoted your whole life to this is just encouraging and it's inspiring to me. And I, I know my listeners as well. So just thank you for taking the time to just come up here and share your truth. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's a privilege. I'm very grateful for the opportunity.